This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Tell you her political career has been as varied as it has been impressive. Now, Libby Davies started out as a community organizer, ended up being a longtime Vancouver MP, but she has always, always, always fought for the downtown east side of the city and the people who live there. And now she's telling all sorts of those stories and the stories of that journey in a political memoir called Outside In. And Libby Davies joins us now in studio to talk about that. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. What was it like writing the book? Because there's a lot of memories in there. I loved writing the book. It took me about two years on and off. And I actually found the writing of it relatively easy. It just sort of came pouring out. I guess it had been rattling around in my head for quite a few years. Editing is another thing, but I really enjoyed writing. I think what I really loved about it was it paints a picture of history of the city that not many people can tell. For instance, and we were talking about this off the air, uh, the mental picture I had of former city councilor Bruce Erickson, your husband, Harry Rankin, longtime legendary Vancouver councilor, and Jack Webster having breakfast in the mornings across from the police station on Main Street. Yeah, and I used to, they used to meet at like 6.30 in the morning. I sometimes would get up and drag myself down there too. And listening to these three guys, I'll tell you, it was like a reality show (laughs) way before its time. And of course, they're all characters. You know, Webster would be sort of growling out whatever and and Harry would be bad-mouthing everybody at City Hall and Bruce would be talking about what he found in beer parlors. And I would sit there and listen. I was pretty young. And uh, yeah, it was, it's a very vivid memory of listening to these guys just like talking up a storm every day. It's amazing. It's just some of the stories in the book. Now, you said at the beginning that the greatest challenge in your career has been your own feelings of inadequacy. Where do you think that came from? I think it's partly a gendered thing. I've spoken to many women in politics and the media too, labor. And I, th- I think, it. you know, I don't have any formal training. I kind of happened to become elected, not by accident, but I I never made a career choice. And so I've always had this sense of not being good enough, of being an outsider. I've heard it's called the imposter syndrome, right? And and women do do deal with this. And it's taken me years to kind of unpack it and reflect on it. Because when I was young, I didn't think about sexism. I didn't think about discrimination. I was so busy, madly working on issues. And it's only later in life... And even writing the book that I've been, you know, I've begun to think, wow, you know, so I've been thinking about sexism and what it means um, about women's place in politics and, and the experiences we have. But I always, I always did have that sense of doubt. And then I would catch myself and say, come on, hey, what? I know how to do this. Yeah. I know I'm as good as those guys, maybe better, you know. And so I, it's just something that's always been there. And I felt like I needed to you know, talk about it a little bit, because I think it's something that many of us share in in the very public world that we work in. You talk about your time as a community activist, how you got into that life, how you met your husband, Bruce Erickson, and that life that you built together. But your formative years, you said you had a relatively secure and stable middle-class environment upbringing. How did you end up doing what you were doing? Uh, I had very independent parents uh, who were always very political, particularly my dad. And it was actually my father who first started working in the downtown east side at the First United Church. Before it was called the downtown east side, it was still called Skid Road. And so I think he instilled in me a great sense of um, 
the need for social justice and helping people and serving the community. I think that came from both my parents. Um, and I wanted to write about transformative change, how it takes place. You know, so many people feel cynical about politics and get turned out. And I, I wanted to um, share with people an experience that if we're engaged as activists, as as local residents, whatever it might be, then change happens when we're, when we're not engaged, when we feel cynical. And so much in today's world is about making people right. feel cynical about everything around them, right? And so I wanted to kind of speak out and say, if we're involved, if we're engaged, we can actually bring about transformative change. And I, you know, I worked on a lot of issues that were not considered mainstream. And I wanted to show how you could be in public life and still work on things that weren't, you know, motherhood or, or popular or mainstream. And you can bring about change. And I wanted to try and share how that happens. Yeah, you became so closely identified with a party, with the NDP. And yet you were writing in the book about how it didn't start out that way. You didn't start out being like, I'm going to work for the NDP. It started out because you really liked Emery Barnes. Yep. <laughs> he was a great guy. Um, yeah, I worked in that 1972 provincial election when Emery first ran. Um, and, you know, my politics was never so much about the party. It was always more about the issues, working on the issues and the connection to the community. I think that's what really grounded me. And, you know, in Ottawa, it's really easy to get kind of sucked into all the intrigue and the drama and the the politics. And it's like a big vortex, you know, and I, it was East Van that always kept me grounded coming back here every week from Ottawa. It was meeting like folks in the downtown East side or on commercial drive or wherever it might be, you know, my office in Mount Pleasant. That's what kept me grounded and real. Um, but someone like Emery Barnes, you know, he, he, to me, he was a real hero and he was kind of the real deal. So, you know, I, I realized that a lot of my mentors were, were men, right? There wasn't that many women and very few progressive women in politics at the time. So it's people like Emery Barnes and Bruce Erickson and Harry Rankin and um, that I realized, you know, that I, I kind of learned politics from. But I, I learned it mostly from literally being on the street as an organizer. What's changed, do you think, in the downtown east side and all the years that you have been working there and advocating for people? Well, it's a, it's a really good question. So much has changed for the better. Some things are unfortunately still a crisis. Um, housing is still a huge issue. We've lost so many of the old hotels and rooming houses um, that, you know, people being evicted and having nowhere to go is still a huge issue, even though much social housing has been built. It's actually why I ran in 97. I was so mad that the federal government had cut out social housing programs that I had relied on along with other city councillors when I was on city council and co-ops in the city that were built and social housing or housing for seniors. It was suddenly gone. Um, and so housing is still an issue, even though there is new housing. When I first started working in the downtown east side, people weren't, they weren't like destitute. There was poverty, but you could still get to the Ovaltine Cafe and have a cup of coffee. Um, now, of course, it's much different. Like people are still are, are destitute because the income assistance has not kept pace with the cost of living. The overdose crisis did not exist when I first was in the neighborhood in the 70s. Um, I've seen two waves of that when I first got elected, when we had so many overdoses. And of course, again, today, we're still seeing the, the overdose crisis. And I'm very glad that, that city council is taking 
action. I mean, Vancouver's always led the way on that, and it's been a very important lesson to see how it's been a very bottom-up thing. Like, I had to fight like hell in Ottawa to get some changes that we needed. Uh, to example, you know, set up the safe injection site, insight that now nobody would question. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's part of the what we need to do. But, you know, in 2000, 2003, it was deal. very controversial. Yeah. So Vancouver's always led the way, and I think that's been really quite amazing. Um, so, so some things are the same and some things have changed, but, you know, it's like, it's, it's a matter of, of, um, finding security for people, right. And making sure that people aren't thrown out of their own neighborhood. That's still an issue. Well, Libby Davies is a very familiar face and name to people in BC, longtime MP, longtime city councillor, longtime community activist. She's written a book called Outside In. It is her newly published memoir. I highly recommend it. And she's with us today to talk about it. 18 years that you spent in Ottawa. What was that like? Well, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved being an MP. It was like an incredible privilege and honor to to serve in parliament there were parts of the job that I you know I found really difficult and challenging and I was glad to get back to Vancouver every week when I would come home and kind of get grounded again Um, but it's it's a fascinating place Um, and I learned a lot you know I was house leader for the NDP for eight years and amazingly I was the second woman in the whole history of parliament to be a house leader the first woman had only done it for about a month so it, it was like, really, you know, more than 100 years and there's, I'm really sort of in effect the first woman house leader for any political party. It, so it is a very male-dominated environment and, and I kind of learned how to navigate that. But I've also been thinking about it a lot in terms of the sexism that, that's still very much part of the culture there. And stuff that you saw that oh, in 18 I, years. Not just saw it, I experienced it. And, you know, I, and I think about it more and more and, and, you know, maybe I'll write on it some more. But it's, you know, changing the culture of parliament um, is not easy. It's an old institution. There are rules, there are procedures. um, And, you know, saying that you're going to change the culture, but actually, you know, doing it in the way people interact with each other and the way women are treated or any underrepresented group. And I think it's even more so for racialized women and indigenous women. It's, a, it's an even you know bigger challenge and obstacle that they face. Um, so there's more women in parliament, there's more young women, which is fantastic. And one, one thing I've learned is that I think younger women absolutely do not put up with what I experienced, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, right, where I was kind of quiet. And uh, in fact, I remember one interview that my son found with Jack Webster from 1982. And, you know, he was being sexist. And like, I was so polite. And today, I just think, you know, First of all, a young woman just would not put up with it. And so so times change, which is fantastic. But it's it's very much a culture that, that needs to change, not only in, in Ottawa and in Parliament, but many other places as well, of course. You mentioned that the culture did change in that 18 years that you were in Ottawa, but it went from being more collegial to more hyper-partisan. Yeah, um, more hyper-partisan and I think less independence for individual MPs. The, the advent of... Uh, social media and and how quickly the news cycle. So this has a lot to do with the media. Yeah. How fast the news cycle is. I mean, you know, it's literally by the hour, or if not by the minute. And so, 
all of the political parties, you know, how they respond to that, how they now put out sort of what we call message boxes, right? And that you stick to that. And things are so fast-paced and changing. I mean, I saw a lot of that change. So when I first got elected... I feel like there was more space for an individual MP to do what they wanted to do, to speak out, to, uh, to you know, to take up an issue. Uh, but but over those twenty years, um, it ha- it has become more partisan, I think, and I wish it weren't so. And I think we need to change that. I think Canadians would like to see that. Um, and secondly, to to allow individual members of parliament more space to do a great job and to work with each other across party lines. Is that not allowed? Or oh, yeah, it's allowed, but it's but so much is party focused, right. right? It's a very hierarchical place. It's very focused on. You know, this is the government, this is the opposition, this is the third party, this is what you do. It's top down. You know, it's, yeah, it's very hierarchical. Huh. Uh, was there something that, I mean, you spent 18 years there, you did a lot, you accomplished a lot, but was there something that was left off the list that you think, oh, one more thing, I wish I could have tackled that? Um, no, I think I tackled some tough issues that came from the community I represented and my my task was to put them on the national agenda and to get the government to act. And I feel like I was able to do that successfully, working with people in Vancouver and in the community. Um, so when I left in 2015, I didn't run in the, that last election. I felt like it was ready to call it a day. And I felt good about that because, you know, like, Doing it yourself, making your own decision. Yeah. It, you know, Not you having feel, the voters decide yeah, it for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that felt good, right? And I felt, okay, it's time for me to go. You know, it's time for new people to be here. Um, I've done what I needed to do. And I'll, you know, I still continue to work on the issues I always did. I probably always will. I'm definitely a sort of a political animal, but, um, uh, but, but, as far as being in Ottawa, it was time for me to uh, to come back to Vancouver and be here. You were there during the Orange Crush, during yes. that election, right with Jack Layton. Mm-hmm. What do you think the party needs to do to get back there? Well, I think the party needs to be very bold in its vision. Um, I know that my good friend Sven Robinson, who's running in this federal election again after being away a few years, he always talks about the mushy middle and that we shouldn't be the mushy middle. Um and I, I do. I think he's right. You know, the NDP. We need to really stand for what we believe in. And I think you know the big issue right now is is global warming, climate change, and the economy, and how it's going to how the economy's got to change. And I I believe that the NDP is the party to do that because we do have a great connection with the labor movement. And it is about making sure that people, uh, you know, have a just transition, that there are good jobs. I mean, it's going to be a huge shift in our economy, in the workforce. Um, but, but it's got to be done and we can't shy away from it. We can't wait. So I just signed the, um, Pact for a new Green Deal that's come out in the last couple of weeks. I hope it's a, a central election issue. You know, there's lots you said of debate you hope, on Do this. you think it will be? Are Canadians prepared so. to do that? Yeah. I mean, you know, the already, you know, the carbon tax sheer, the, the leader of the Conservative Party is making that an issue. So what these parties do in terms of climate change, what they're really going to do and not talk 
is going to be very critical. And so I want the NDP to be very bold and forward-looking and, and, you know, no BS. Like, tell us what needs to be done. Show us the leadership. And I think a lot of people will say, yeah, right on. That's what needs to be done. So that sounds like somebody who still has a lot of thoughts. There's an election coming up this fall. Will you be working for the NDP for that? Will you be out there? I'll be I'll be helping. Um, I, I don't think I'll be playing a major role, but I'll be helping. I did in the last election when I didn't ran, run. Uh, and I'm sure I'll do, you know, things here and there. Of course, I'll be watching <laughs> um, like everybody else. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a very important election because time is running out. And so what these political parties do in response to uh, climate change and the economy and jobs um, is going to be very critical, especially for, um, you know, young people. What is their future? You know, when I, when I was young, the fear was nuclear weapons. You remember when Vancouver yes. was a nuclear weapons free zone? Well, yeah. it still is. We were so scared about bombs dropping on the city. Now it's global warming, right? And so I, I really worry about the anxiety that young people have about their future, you know, what, and they feel like this planet is being destroyed. So time is running out. So it's very critical that uh, everybody step up both inside and outside. On that note, Libby, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. The book is called Outside In. It is Libby Davies' political memoir. I do recommend that you check it out. You're going to learn a lot about history and Canadian politics. 